it's great to be here. Um, and uh, David's a, a good friend and someone I respect very much. Uh, uh, he's an amazing, amazing man. And so it's been good to get to know him a little bit. And uh, I've learned a lot from him. And so he's asked me several times to be with you all. And I just haven't had the chance. And so this is my first time. And so it is good to be here. Um, this is my first time in church uh, in about two weeks. So don't get the wrong idea. Um, I was in Poland uh, for a week. And it was not a happy trip. Uh, it's a beautiful country and wonderful people. But I was there with a group from Chicagoland, uh, religious leaders, and we were visiting the concentration camps and the, the extermination camps. They're not the same thing. The concentration camps, they would, they would hold people as prisoners and then exterminate a certain number. But in the extermination camps, they would go right from the trains uh, to the gas chambers. Very heavy, heavy time. Um, and we were being led by an Orthodox Jewish rabbi with Polish roots. And um, amazing, there was over 3 million Jews in Poland before the war. Now there's hardly any. There was a centuries-old Jewish civilization in Poland that is now gone. Uh, There are also hundreds of thousands of Poles that were in the camps because for the Nazis, uh, there was their race. Uh, The Slavs, and Polish people are Slavic people, were subhuman. And the Jews were vermin that had to be eliminated. You begin to see just how dark (laughs) humanity is. Uh, We could repeat over the centuries all the things that humans do to each other. Uh, It doesn't matter what continent you go to. uh, Humans are good at doing these kinds of things. Uh, Even in this country, uh, where we have a lot of comfort and the freedom to meet even on a Sunday morning in a junior high school. Uh, A lot of dark things in this country as well. So I I don't want to begin the sermon by depressing everybody. (laughs) But I I, I say these things because I want us to begin to think about uh, why we're here. Um, And I want to begin at the beginning. I want to go to Genesis chapter 1. And walk us through very quickly uh, the first few chapters of Genesis to give us a sense of the reality of the world and why God has put us here. And let me give you an analogy. I use this all the time in my classes. Uh, I wear glasses, okay? And I've been wearing glasses since I was a kid. And in high school, the worst thing ever happened to me. I had to move to bifocals. Now, at that time, you would see the line across the glasses, right? And so if you're a high school senior, just not cool look at all, right? Uh, and as the years went on, um, my eyes have gotten worse. Uh, if I take my glasses off, uh, even you are a bit blurry. That shows you how bad it is. Uh, and in the back, um, you know, I can see that there's a, a face with black hair, but I, I see no features. It's just a blob. <laughs> That's what I see. Okay? But when I put my glasses on, I see things clearly. And this is what the Old Testament will do. You see, everyone out there can see life. Everyone gets up in the morning, goes to work, maybe has kids, uh, is involved in activities. They see life, but they don't see it clearly. 
They don't see it as God would have us see it. And this is what the scriptures is. You see? It's the lens. My eyes have gotten progressively worse. Uh, I hit the stage where I had to have a different kind of lens for, like, computer. At the beginning, I was doing the bifocal thing where you're like this, you see? And now I wear this progressive lens. But now I can see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but that's the point that I want to give us today, this morning, is a sense of why we're here um, and what the world is really like. The lens, not only for what's around us, but the lens, if I can, is this going to work? I have to press it really hard, I was told. Sherman. <laughs> he will be stoned after the service <laughs> for two reasons. Okay, can we do it now? Oh, that worked. Okay. All right. Just, okay, here we go. So I wanted to, the point is that we are created to bless the world. And what does that mean? We're going to get to that. And what I want us to do is to try to locate ourselves in the plans of God. Now, um, I don't see any Bibles. Some of you will have, like, electronic Bibles. I use the, kind of the paper version. Um, so we'll be in the first few chapters of Genesis if you want to follow along. And what we find... Sherman. Okay. Okay. All right. So how do I do this? Do I kind of wave and I want you to advance it? Okay. Or I raise my fist and... <laughs> okay, go to the next one. So the setting of creation. Okay? Genesis chapter 1. God creates the world, and he keeps saying over and over again, in fact, he says it seven times. It's good. Everything is in its place. Everything is functioning like it should function. Everything is, is, is productive and fruitful. It's steaming with life. And when he creates humans, it's very good. And then in chapter 2, he, he creates a garden, and he puts the humans in the garden. And he blesses them, and he tells them to, to take care of, of the ground, to serve him. Oh, that's very good. That's his, that is how everything should be. But then, next slide, uh, things go terribly wrong. <laughs> and I want to hit on two verses. Chapter 2, verse 17. On the day you eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the, in the middle of the garden, you will surely die. Now in the Hebrew, it's uh, the way they make it. We say surely or you really will or something like that. But in the Hebrew, what they do is they repeat the word. So it, it, literally it says, dying you will die. Well, that's quite a warning. It's quite a, a somber note, especially in these scenes that, that are just full of life. So how's that going to work out? We're going to see that. The next slide, please. And then when you get to chapter 3, verse 5, you have a temptation. And the temptation is to be like God. See? 
the serpent tells the woman, you know, uh, God uh, doesn't want you to be like him. That, that's why this, this is what this is all about, you see. And so she sees it and she takes it and she gives it to the man and they both eat of the tree and their eyes are opened. And what's so bizarre about it is that they had been made in the image of God. See, they were like God in a sense. He had told them they were to rule and subdue the earth. They were to participate in the ruling over this earth and all of its beauty. They were like God in a sense. They were in his image. The temptation is to take God's place and to be number one. And that's when things begin to unravel in the story. And that warning about dying will begin to make horrible sense. So now we begin to see the world as it really is. Once we move into chapter 3. So, the spread of death. It's a kind of an odd story. On the day you eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you will surely die. Dying, you will die. But they eat. Nobody dies. You ever thought about that? Eve doesn't die. and The man doesn't die. Now, there's an animal that dies because God will take the skin of the animal and, and clothe them. And it's even stranger because the man will give a name to the woman and he calls her Eve, which is a play in Hebrew of the word living because she is the mother of all the living, it says. And then you go to chapter 4, verse 1, and she gives birth to a son. And she thanks God for helping her have a child. Now, what happens is some people will say, oh, they died spiritually. Well, you know, Romans chapter 5. Okay, but I'm in Genesis. I'm not in Romans. <laughs> they're taken out of the garden, and they're not allowed to go back, but they haven't died. But then death does come. Cain kills Abel. And Lamech later at the end of the chapter, will boast about how many people he will kill. When Cain is sent wandering, he tells the Lord, oh, don't do this, because if they find me, they will kill me. See, humans are great at killing humans. That is the first sin out of the garden, is fratricide. And this is the story of the cruelty of humanity. Killing. And then you get into chapter 5, and you have a refrain all the way through the chapter. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, you see? Not by killing, but by old age and disease. David said, I used to play basketball. Uh, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> My knees are like, Terrible. I used to have jet black hair. People don't believe that anymore. <laughs> I used to have a full black beard. It turned white. My wife said to me once, she said, you know, you look like a skinny Santa Claus. <laughs> you got to do something. So that's how the goatee 
came about. It used to be all white. We all die. Either someone will kill us, or we'll just die from disease or old age. Some of us take care of aging parents. I know we did when my mother was dying. We brought her up from Houston until she died from cancer. This is the human story. And then you get to the flood and everybody dies. On the day you eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, you will surely die. And what he's saying is death will be unleashed in your existence in ways that you can't even imagine. Pretty somber story. Is there anything that God can do to show his grace? And you have some gracious responses with the life of people like Abel, who's a good man, though he's killed by his brother. Seth, with Seth, they begin to call on the name of the Lord in chapter 4. And in chapter 5, Enoch is taken away. You see, he walked with God and, and he's taken away. You see, there are these moments of light and so much darkness. And then what we have is Noah. And his name in Hebrew is Noach, which is a play on the verb nuach, which means to rest. And if you were to read chapter 5, verse 21, it says that. He will comfort us from all the toil of the ground that has been cursed by God. The great hope of the world. And oh my gosh, at the end of the story, he's lying drunk in his tent, passed out. Oh, the great hope of the world. And then we get even worse. The Tower of Babel. All humanity has come together. Remember the story? Come, let us build a tower that reaches to the heavens. See where God is. Let us make a name for ourselves. You see the arrogance of humanity. Lest we be scattered over the face of the earth, because that's what they were supposed to do, was to fill the earth. Chapter 1. Humanity in all of its arrogance. But what's really interesting, if you look at it carefully in chapter 11, verse 6, and I hope I don't fall on this. If I do, will you catch me? (laughs) You don't know. Verse 6. In their minds, their tower reaches to the heavens. But in verse 6 it says, And God came down to see what they were doing. (laughs) See, in their minds, it was a magnificent tower. That would reach to the heavens in God's sight. It's like, how? what in the world are they doing down here? <laughs> so much for human arrogance. But then he scatters them. Because he says, because if humanity comes together, nothing that they try to do will ever be stopped. When humans get together, the potential for evil knows no bounds. And so he scatters them for our own good. And even so, look what we do. And what you begin to see in that series of chapters is that all the nations of the world that are mentioned in chapter 10 are born at Babel. 
See, Babel is at the heart of every country in the world. It teaches these things. Pledge of Allegiance, anthems, parades, uniforms. Every country does this. I'm half Guatemalan. <clears throat> Guatemala is a tiny little country. It's the same thing. You see, small old country under Mexico, but we don't like Mexicans. And when I was growing up, we'd, I was born and raised in Houston, we would drive to Guatemala. It's about a four-day trip through Mexico. Oh, you know, they're, <coughs> they're corrupt, <coughs> those Mexicans, and, and it's going to be dirty, but <coughs> let's put up with it for three days, and we'll cross the border into Guatemala. And <sighs> this is the greatest country in the world. How many countries say that? A lot. Every country in the world was born at Babel. It's a pretty bleak story so far. A few glimpses of hope, and then the whole thing just kind of falls apart. And then humanity, not only individually, but humanity as a whole, arrogant, trying to take the place of God. So where does this story go? Well, you turn the page, and now you're in Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> and what God does, he, he chooses a man, Abram. Is this, remember this story? He doesn't choose any of the nations of the world. How can he? Every nation was born at Babel. Every nation of the world is arrogant. Every nation of the world thinks that it's the best. Every nation of the world aspires to be like God in its own way. So he chooses a man, and he begins to build a nation that'll be different. And this is interesting. This is a migrant. He tells them to leave Ur of the Chaldees, which would be southeastern Iraq today. He tells them to go to the northwest, hundreds of miles to the city of Ur to uh, Haran. He was in her, goes up to Haran on what is today the Syrian-Turkish border, walking hundreds of miles. And then he tells him to go to Canaan, hundreds of miles. See, the, the father of the faith, the father of the hope of the world is an immigrant who has nothing but sheep. A wife, and he goes with a nephew, Lot, who has his own particular story in Genesis, if you know. But there are some interesting things in this story. And now I'm going to hit what I want to hit. Now that we've seen just how bleak everything is, now we see how violent the world is, now we see the darkness within which we live. That's the lens of Scripture. This is why we need a Redeemer. This doesn't get fixed. <laughs> it needs to be redeemed. And this is where it begins. And there's several words in these few verses that will take us back to the earlier chapters that will help it all make sense for us. The first one is bless or blessing. This is one of these church words. What does it mean to bless? Well, it's bless. 
Bless you, brother. Bless you. So what does that mean? Oh, it's just blessing. In Spanish, when you go to a Latino church, which I do in the afternoons, you walk up to a brother and go, ¿Y cómo estás, hermano? Bendecido, hermano. Blessed, brother. But what does that mean? Blessing. It's one of those words we use that don't even know what we mean when we say it. But you find it in chapter 1. God blesses the animals in verse 22. He, he blesses humanity in 26 to 28. Blessing is about productivity. It's about life. It's about having children. And if you read the narrative of Genesis, it's flocks, it's water, it's peace. This is the blessing of God. But there's also a, a spiritual side to it because he blesses the seventh day. So there's a spiritual side. So the blessing of God is material things, but it's also spiritual things. Relationship with God. And as you follow the patriarchs, they, they build altars, they, they call the name of the Lord, they pray to him, and they're enjoying the fullness of the blessings of God. In all the hard times with, with barrenness of the women, of hunger, of armed conflict, of being marginalized by their neighbors. And in the midst of all of that, they are blessed of God. That's going to be a key word. The next is name. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Oh, don't you remember the Tower of Babel? Let us make a name for ourselves. A name built on human achievement, but God says, I will bless you and I will make your name great. Oh, it won't be like the greatness of Babel. Your greatness will be different. It'll be based on other things. The name. And then he says, and all the families, clans, or tribes, peoples, depends on your translation, will be blessed through you. All those nations that have rebelled against God, all those people that reject God and want to take his place, those are the people who will be blessed by you. And what you begin to see in the midst of so much darkness and death, God does have a plan. And he creates a people with a different set of values who will bless the world because that's what he wanted to do in chapter 1. And we will be the channel of blessing to the world with material things, with spiritual words and actions. All the nations of the world will be blessed through us. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who just don't think very much of you. In Spanish, there's a word, it's not a proper English word, but menos pareciar. Just treat you like <laughs> nothing. Does that ring true as a Christian? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who just push you aside, don't think you're worth anything. This is the message of Genesis 12, 1 to 3. So let's look at the passage. 
The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father. Everything that you know, your culture, your extended family, leave it all. And go to a land that I will show. He doesn't even know where he's going. (laughs) I'm going to make you a migrant. All of us have migrant stories, don't we? But you knew where you were going. You were coming here, maybe. Maybe your parents, maybe your grandparents. But you knew where you were going. Well, they knew where they were going. Abram didn't know. He's just told to start walking. And I will show you where you're to go. And now watch out. What happens? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. All that blessing of material things and spiritual things, I will bless you. And that's where your name will be great. As you follow what I tell you to do, as you obey my commands, as you walk with me, as you are faithful to me, I will bless you and that will be the greatness of your name. Not in your achievement, but in your faithfulness. And then he says, and be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I will bless you, so be a blessing. In a world of so much violence, and death, some of it at the hands of other people. Others, the darkness will come through disease, age, an accident. It's hard being a human being. (laughs) But in the midst of all of that, I will bless you. And so now be a blessing. You know, when I was, uh, we were sitting there before the service, I was talking to my wife, and even as we were driving, got here early, so you don't want to show up too early. So, so we kind of drove around the neighborhood a little bit, you know? And I was like, I told her, I said, isn't it amazing what you do here? Like, all the time you all take, all the women upstairs, all the little kiddos, who are little cute little kiddos, these first and second graders, <laughs> the cutest little things. And there was a, uh, you had a, like a one-year-old maybe in the back? I mean, mean, just you know, we have five grandkids, and one of them is just a few months old. So I I love little babies and small, small people. (laughs) All the effort you are blessing others as you are faithful to His call to be a blessing. You've been blessed, and now you are blessing others. This is why we are here. In a world of so much darkness, if we have eyes to see it, because it's a, this is a very dark place. It's not Poland under Nazi rule, where they eliminate, it wasn't only six million Jews. There was almost two million other people eliminated. Tens of millions die in the war. <laughs> it's a dark place. In the midst of all the darkness, God chooses a people. He blesses them. And he says, now be a blessing to the very nations that have turned their back to me. So what we begin to see is why we are here. 
We receive the blessing of God so that we might be a blessing to the world. So this is the lens I wanted to leave you with this morning. The lens of why we are here. And we have to understand what here is really like. In all of its darkness, not some comfortable things. That's a dark place. And all of you as Asian Americans have experienced some things because of COVID. I don't need to go through all of that. Some of you may have experienced things at work or your kids at school, comments. I see it with Latino kids. Some of them embarrassed about being Latino. (laughs) Embarrassed about their parents. And Latino homes, do we speak Spanish or do we not? How do we handle that? And David's seen that at school. The Spanish-speaking Latino kids and those who don't, those who speak kind of a Spanglish. (laughs) Maybe in your homes it's the same challenge. It's a complicated life here with its darkness. But God is blessing you materially, spiritually. And he does that not for your sake. We are created as a people of God for the world. And the very ones who despise us, those are the ones we're to bless. So, that's my message for the morning. Kind of depressing, maybe? (laughs) But there's a realism to it. There's a challenge to it. So I would encourage you to keep doing the good work that you're doing. It's pretty amazing. In a junior high school in Naperville, a group of believers are meeting (laughs) and singing his praise and learning from his word. How crazy is that? (laughs) May God bless you. Thank you.